John chapter 12, verse number 1 says this, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was in it. But Jesus said, Let her alone, for she has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Jesus is coming into a town, town of Bethany. The Bible says this is the town where Lazarus was. Now, if you know the story of Lazarus, Lazarus was a friend of Jesus who became sick and ultimately died. Jesus showed up on the scene a few days later, stood at the tomb of Lazarus, and called him forth from the dead. So Lazarus was a walking, breathing, living miracle, a testimony to the power of God. And if you read on in the chapter, the Bible says that the Jews actually hated Lazarus and they plotted to kill him because he was a walking, living, breathing testimony to the power of God. And so when we read this story, we see that here is, here's Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus. But the Bible says that Mary came into this dinner setting, and she actually did this. She took a box, an alabaster box of, the Bible says, very costly perfume. It actually tells us how much it was worth. It was worth 300 denarii, and if you fast forward to today... That means that it was worth between forty and $50,000. How many of you know that's a pretty expensive bottle of perfume? Ladies, just look at your husband and say, that's what I want this Christmas. I want $40,000 perfume. See how that goes over. Uh, and so here she does. She takes what is her treasure. Now that means that it was all that she had. They didn't put their money into savings and banks and things like we do today. They put their money into items, the pearl of great price. And this was her treasure. It was everything to her. And she broke it and she anointed Jesus' feet. And then she wiped his feet with her hair so that the fragrance of it filled the entire room. And we look at this portion of Scripture and we look at what Mary did. And it's very easy to focus on Mary, and we should because it was an incredible thing that she did. However, I look at the story, and I can't get past Lazarus. I look at it, and I think to myself, what is he doing? Look at what it says. The Bible says, and Lazarus sat at the table. He just sat there. Now you say, well, pastor, what, what should he have been doing? I don't know, but if I had been raised from the dead, See, I, I've never been there. I, I've never been dead and came back. I never flatlined. I've never been sick. I've never 
really been sick to the point of death. I've never had a serious illness. I can't even say, to be honest with you, church, that I've ever had a near-death experience. I try very hard to avoid things that would cause me to die. So, so I don't go to the deep end of the ocean. You know, I mean, I don't do all these daredevil things. I like the ground. And so that's where I hang out. And so, but Lazarus was dead, and God gave him back his life. Dreams canceled, yet those dreams are, are birthed again inside of him. And so for him to walk around, listen, he wasn't dead for a moment, for a minute, a few seconds. He was dead for days. So for him to walk around, the, the sky must have been just a little bit bluer. Come on, somebody. Now, I mean, the, the sun must have been brighter. I mean, the family members were prettier than you remembered them before you got in the grave, Right? And everything, the food tastes better. Everything was better. And yet here he comes in to this dinner party. And he sits down. Sits down. Doesn't worship, doesn't tell her, scoot over, sis. Huh? That's what should have happened. I mean, he should have said to her, listen, I'll wash you dry. I mean, we're going to do this thing together because if I had been raised from the dead, you know I wouldn't be just sitting there. I would be like wanting to do something. But here he is just sitting, just sitting. There's times when sitting's okay. There's times when that's the protocol. There's times when, when it's appropriate. But then there's times when it's not the protocol. There's times when it's not appropriate. Our nation is going through something where we see athletes sitting down during a national anthem. Huh? The playing of our national anthem and a flag uh, flying in the distance, that flag that men and women fought, bled, died for, yet they choose to sit down. And so protocol tells us that we should be standing during moments like that in reverence and respect. Amen? And so here is Lazarus just sitting when maybe protocol should have demanded of him something. Something. Not everything necessarily. He didn't have to do what she did. I mean, he didn't have to bring everything that he owned. What one person does doesn't mean that everybody has to do it. But something should have been happening in his life. See, not everybody has to worship like me, and I don't have to worship like anybody else, but something should be going on. You see, if there's no movement on the outside, here's what I believe. Something's wrong on the inside. Hallelujah. If you've got nothing, I mean, if you, if you just are doing the mannequin challenge during worship, something is wrong. Something should be happening because you cannot come into the presence of God who redeemed you, who saved you, who brought you back from destruction, who gave you your dreams, your hope, your life again, and sit still. Something has to happen. Amen? But Lazarus just sat there. He just sat there. Maybe he was nervous. Maybe the moment just caught him off guard. Maybe he became a spectator. Maybe it was easy for him the first couple days to, to really get into it and, and to, to tell everybody of what he had done, but maybe he told the story too many times, and maybe it became routine, and maybe it became just kind of boring. And You see what I'm saying? 
It's easy for that to happen. And so something has to jumpstart us. Huh? We got to hear clear, and the paddles have to, have to kick us back to life again to say, no, no, no. Protocol demands something of me because I am grateful for what he's done. Let me give you three this morning, three just little, little determining factors of what gratitude is. And the first one is this. Gratitude is seen and heard. I said gratitude is both. It is seen and it is heard. Gratitude is something that can be measured. There are metrics to it. It's not just a condition of the heart. It's not, well, God knows my heart. No, no, no. I hate that phrase. Never say that phrase to me. God sees our actions. And he hears our voice or the silence thereof. And that silence can be deafening. God, he sees. And, and, and gratitude is something that needs to be put on display. Christmas is coming up. And I remember one Christmas we had uh, where our kids were little. It was just Caleb and Hannah, and they were little. And you know how sometimes Christmas can get like this. Everybody's just opening stuff, and it's just wrapping paper flying everywhere. Have you seen that ever happen? And I remember saying to Caleb, who's now off in Bible college, I said, Caleb, he had a toy, and he was just really excited about it. I said, who gave you that? He said, I have no idea. I'm like, well, where's the tag? I don't know. So I remember Cynthia and I said, eh, okay, no more of this. From here on out, you open one gift, and then you go to the giver of that gift, and you look them in the eye, and you say to them, thank you. Huh? Because gratitude is both seen. I want my children to show it in their face. I want them to look somebody in the eye and, and they see the expression. It is both seen and then I want it to be heard. I want them to hear your voice. Say to them, thank you. I want appreciation to, to come out. And so here it is. One gift and then you go to the giver. Hallelujah. Isn't that the way sometimes our life should be? Where, where we don't just go by day after day and just enjoy all that God's given us without ever going back to Him and saying, thank you, God, I'm so grateful for all that you've done. I think it should be every time we experience something from God, God's goodness, God's grace, God's mercy, which are new every day, we should go back to Him with every gift. That's why the Bible says, count your blessings. Go back to him and say, God, thank you for what you've done in my life. I am so grateful. I want you to see it. God, I want you to see it on my face. I want you to see it in service to, to you. I want you to see it with hands lifted up. I want you to see it, God, I, I, whether you're swaying, moving, whatever, running, jumping, dancing, at the altar, knees. Listen, whatever it is, God, I want you to see it. And I want you to hear it in my voice. I'm grateful for what you've done. And then the second thing is this. The depth of our gratitude should reflect an effort to equal what we are grateful for. Let me just say that again. The depth of our gratitude should reflect an effort to equal what we're grateful for, which simply means this. The bigger the blessing, the deeper the gratitude. The bigger the blessing, the, the deeper the gratitude. You know, there are little things that, that don't require 
great gratitude. I, I used to uh, have road rage. I, I, I know none of you have dealt with that. Other people in other churches don't deal with that. And so I used to have it. I used to take my kids to school. It was a long way to school. I had like a 45-minute drive. And, and I used to play box them in. You know, you find that one person that's weaving. And so you just, your goal is to box them in somewhere. Because I had nothing else to do. The kids are going. So I thought, I'll play a little game called box them in. I'll try to box in that one guy who's in a hurry. And then I'll laugh to myself and stare straight forward. What? I didn't even know. I didn't see you. What? So that's what I would do. Right? And never let anybody cut in. Right? And so then I grew up and just decided, what's the big deal if you let somebody in? I mean, have you been on Forest Hill Boulevard lately? So, so now I just let people in. You want to get in? Sure. Now, I'm not say I'm completely delivered because my family's here, so they know. But I'm on my way to freedom. But I will let people come in. I mean, you know that one guy that there's a line of cars, but yet he drives by all 80 of you guys to pull right in in front of you, huh? And you know everybody behind you is going, don't let him in. Don't do it. Don't do it. And you let him right in, you know? So I do that. I'm that guy. I'm that person that lets him in. But when I let somebody in, I expect, I expect something. I just expect a little little wave. <laughs> Not much. I, you know, you don't have to give a little. You don't have to stop at the light and come back and thank me. I just, I just want a little acknowledgement. Just a little wave. Hey, I do it. Uh, somebody lets me in. Hey, how are you? Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> That's all. That's just what I want. Why? Because it's just a little thing. It's just a little just a little thing, and so I just expect a little bit. Hmm? But you notice it says here, it's an effort. And the reason I put that word in there is because there's no way we could possibly repay God. And this isn't even repayment. But there's no way our gratitude can reach the depth of our thankfulness for what he's done. If you're Lazarus, how do you thank God for giving you your life back? How do you say to Jesus when he's at that table, thank you? Those, those words fall short, right? There's no way that, that, that the depth of your gratitude could match the depth of his goodness, his grace, and his mercy, right? But we can make an effort. We can do all that we can do. Amen? We should try. Every day. God, I can't, I can't ever put it completely on display. God, I can't ever, ever reach the depth of your, your grace and your mercy. But every day, I'm going to try to put on display. I'm going to make an effort to say every day, God, I thank you for what you've done for me. Through my actions, through my words, to show you, God, that I appreciate so much your goodness, your grace, on my life. Amen? Number three is this. Grace should always be motivated by love towards the gift and the giver. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In the New Living Translation, it says this. If I could speak with all the tongues of earth 
and of angels, but didn't love others. I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I could understand all of God's secrets and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. And then listen to what it says. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained Nothing. Listen, we are not motivated simply by reward. We're not motivated just because it says it in the Word, we give by obedience or we do through obedience. Our motivation should always be, God, we love you. I mean, we, God, we love you. If I, if I did it all, but I didn't do it out of love, and I didn't love you, God, I mean, if I just went through the motions of Christianity, if I just went through the motions of worship, if I, if I just lift my hands and there was no love factor involved, then it was all for nothing. I could boast about it. People could look at me and say, hey, he looks good. But if there was no love there, right? If there was no love there, then, then it was all for nothing, I've had people say to me, oh, oh, pastor, you don't understand. Uh-oh, man, I love God. But Jesus said, if you love me, there should be a corresponding action to that called keep my commandments. Do something, right? I've had people tell me, oh, pastor, I win the lottery. Whew, I'll be blessing the church. No, you won't. If you won't give God $10 out of 100. You're not giving him 100,000 out of a million. Right? Start now. I'll love him then. No, you love him now. I heard a great story, man. I love this story that I heard. There was this dad who was in a pew, and, and he was getting ready to give in the offering. He had his tithe check, and he has a check in his hand. And, you know, he's got his little boy next to him, little five-year-old kid. And, you know, kids, some of them can be nosy. You know what I mean? So that was me. So he, 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 he said to his dad, 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 can I see the check? Can I see the check? You know, and, and dad said, sure, here, here you go. And you know, to a kid, that's a lot of money. So the kid opens up the check and goes, oh, my gosh. You know? Dad, had you given this much? And I forget what the father said. The father said to his son, son, let me just tell you a story. Dad wasn't always a Christian. In fact, dad was far away from God. Dad didn't always go to church. Before I met your mom, before we had you, dad was not a, not a good person. But in a motel room one night, Jesus came into my heart and he changed me. And he gave me a family. He gave me a good paying job. He's blessed me in so many ways. I gladly give back to him. Why? Because there's the obedience factor. Sure, we want to be obedient to God. That's, that's, that's true. But, but really, the, the purest motivation is love. I love God. I love him so I gladly give to him. Amen? It should always be about love. I, I love God. That's why I do the things I do. I love God so I worship. I love God so I serve. I love God so I give. It's always motivated through love. If I did it all and didn't love, I did nothing. 
But because I love, I walk into a room and we sing songs and hands go up, right? Not because I want to put on a show, not because I care what anybody's looking, thinking, looking. I, I do it because I love God. Amen? It's all about my love for God. So I'll do it whether I'm here in these four walls, I'm on a back porch kitchen, driving in a car, sitting in a parking lot, about to walk into a drug rehab center. It's always about love for God. Amen? I said earlier, I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come back to the keyboard. I said earlier, I, I've never, you know, been in, through one of those sicknesses and illnesses. I, I've never had those near-death experiences. Some of you, you know, because you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God. And I don't mean inside these four walls. I mean on this planet. You wouldn't be on earth if God didn't rescue you somewhere. I mean, there's, there's a couple of people in there. I'm sure that's the case, right? But you know this? The truth is, I look at the Word of God, and when I study the Word of God, and I see what God has to say about my life and about anybody's life, I was Lazarus. I, I wasn't in a tomb, a physical tomb. I, I didn't have, you know, the, the, the grave clothes wrapped around me physically, but spiritually I was just as dead as Lazarus was physically. That was me. And at eight years old, God called me out. And he called my name, just like Jesus called Lazarus' name. I was just as dead. And so now, when I have the opportunity, and I have a choice that comes before me, I can sit, and I can spectate, I can watch while others serve. I could watch while others give. I could watch while others put their gratitude, their thankfulness on display. Or I can join in. Say, God, I'm so grateful. And I'm so thankful. I am full, filled. I am full of thanks. I'm filled to overflowing all that you've done for me. Would you do this this morning? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let me pray for you today. Yeah, that was me. That was me. I was Lazarus. I wasn't, I wasn't the worst person on earth. I wasn't a drunkard. I wasn't a drug addict. Got plenty of issues, plenty of struggles. I didn't reach the depths of some people, but I was just as dead. Just as dead. And God called me. And those dreams that I have today, He put them in my heart. Huh? So that I can walk around like Lazarus and say, you know what? The sky is a little bit bluer and the sun is a little bit brighter and everybody's a little more beautiful. Why? Because Jesus has done a work on the inside of me. He's done an incredible work. So I can't come into a moment like this, into a sanctuary, into a, a gathering. I can't come and just sit still. I can't come and just not lift my hands. I can't, I can't come and, and just, just watch while others worship. No, no, no. i got to say to somebody, hey, scoot over because I'm going to take my place, my rightful place, in worship to God. Hallelujah.
It's true on Sunday morning, and it's true on Monday morning, Tuesday afternoon, Thursday night, huh? And Saturday, every day, every moment. He's worship and serving and giving. Expresses my gratitude to God.